Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our pool campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Well, it's my joy to be with you. And, um, you know, I come from way down under, uh, from New Zealand. If you don't know where that is, it's just by Australia. <laughs> um, some people look at New Zealand and think it's just this little wee island. But actually, from the top of New Zealand to the bottom is over 2,000 kilometres. So it's uh, quite a stretch, but it's just that they measure it with Australia, so it always looks very insignificant. But just to let you know, we actually have 40 million sheep. (laughs) So we're very well populated. Our highest population for sheep was 90 million, but it sort of decreased over a period of time because we all became hungry. Um, but it's uh, a real joy, love being with you, love the relationship with Dom and Louise. And, uh, you know, we, we just sense God wants to do something together. Uh, we look at uh, the UK and, uh, you know, you always, your effectiveness is always greater when you're working with uh, same people with the same heart, the same mind, same culture, same vision. And I just really sense, you know, within this church here, there's something fresh, it's alive, I've been now with your leaders last night, this morning, in the service today, and I just want to affirm what God's doing, and uh, you know, uh, I believe you, you need to really understand, never take for granted the move of God, never take for granted what God's got in your house, and uh, really, in a way, champion that. God wants to do more, we don't settle, but I just want to esteem that today, and uh, may God really bless you as you go on your journey. I think you've got a very inspiring lead, or very inspiring leaders, and uh, it... well, well, one thing I've learned about leaders, le- leaders, you don't always agree, you don't have to, but you do need to put your weight behind them, and that's what honor really means. Honor means to put your weight in behind, and when you put your weight in behind, that's when God can add value. Uh, you know, we, 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 none of us will always get it completely right. But when you understand the spirit of a person, you're able to put your weight behind it and you're able to go with it. Amen. And that's what really it's all about. And I believe that we need significant churches in the UK who are going to change not only particular regions, but change nations. And right now I declare in this house that God's going to raise up pastors, leaders who uh, will go from here and the seed of this house will be spread through this nation. And God's right now got those people. He will start to highlight them. And we need to put our weight behind them, finances behind them, because God wants to do something significant. We need a new generation of churches. Amen. We need to change our nation. The way you change a nation is raise up another generation of voice. And I just speak that today in Jesus' name. One of the most uh, powerful scriptures that in in many ways has changed my life. I've always held pretty clearly uh, three things that I felt God called me to. Number one is that I was to create room, which would, might be boring for many of you, but to create room for a, a, a new apostolic generation of leaders and to give them room to breathe. And uh, God's done that uh, and doing it uh, quite profoundly around the world. But also it's a mandate that somehow I've never lost is that I was also to create an environment for the emergence of another generation. And uh, I, I love my own generation. I've got many wonderful friends, but uh, I'm also a granddad now. And I want a church that reaches my grandchildren. I don't want a church that just is, is meeting my preference. 
And uh, for some reason, God has allowed me to do that. And the scripture, which really came to me on the front row, I haven't shared it, so I wanted to share it quickly. It won't go up on top on the screen, but it's found in Psalm 144. And in a way, I just want to put vision into your heart because we need to see another generation rise up. It doesn't take away from who you or I am as, as uh, older people or uh, if you're in the middle age or whatever, uh, you're, you're important. But this is what it says. It says, rescue me, uh, rescue, sorry, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. And when you look, uh, in Britain, you look in, and I've been open to your news media, uh, see what's happening. There's so much falsehood. There's so much falsehood. There's so many lies. In, in a way, uh, people, the morality of this generation is governed by the secular and the news media. No longer does the church govern our morality. That's a shame. It's a shame. It's a curse on society. And we, that's why we need significant churches that will break it. And another reason why we need significant churches that break it is what this goes on to say. It says that our sons may be as plants grown in their youth and our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in Palestine. And it's almost like when we say enough is enough, we create room for another generation to rise up. And it's like, I, I think God's calling for a generation who will say, no, no, we're not gonna go with the drift of the tide. We're going to actually stand and we're going to create room for another generation to rise up because they find security in the house of God. I love what it says. It says that young men will be as plants growing in their use. How many want your sons to have that sort of maturity? I like it when it says daughters will be as pillars. Now, you might like to be like a pillar, but actually really what it represents, what it's saying is pillars in the house of God, sculptured in Palestine. What it means is they'll have a security that no one will be able to push them around because they know who they are and they know where they're planted and established. That's the generation I want. Amen? And I'm right now speaking vision into your church. Come on, create an environment. Be, be, be multi-generational. But come on, fathers, reach down to younger people. Uh, be, able, be able to stand with a young man or a young woman and be able to, be able to speak into their life. Create an environment of security. Don't, don't ever try and impose your values on younger generation. Understand that God wants to bring a new culture and a new understanding. Amen? And I believe it's a prophetic word. It's not what I was preaching. I haven't said it in other services, but I believe it's right as I look and I see what God's doing. One of the things that my wife and I are, we just love the emerging generation. We love children. We love young people. We want to, my, my wife's amazing. I can't do this. Uh, she's good in a gift, but she, she, our church in Auckland, when we were leading it, got to a thousand people. She knew everyone by name. Uh, not only recently she's taken over the children's ministry, she knows every children and every one of our campus by name, and she knows their parents. And she can go up to children and call them by name. And they, it's almost like they respond because her heart is towards another generation. And it's like, that's value. That's putting value in it. And I believe we need that. Children are not just little people on the side. They are to church. Amen? And we need to understand it. And so she developed, and I just want to show a little clip, uh, just of uh, one of our grandsons. She's been involved in children's ministry 
over the last five years. She, she's uh, it's amazing because she's now 68, but she can write material that will reach into kids' hearts. And she's doing it. It's going all around, uh, all around New Zealand, even here into the UK, into Germany. They're using the material. She's created a prayer tent for young people. She's also created a series that are led by children, and they're teaching. They're actually teaching. Kids sitting on two kids sitting on chairs, a girl and a boy, both 11 years of age, teaching a series that is able to minister into young people's hearts. And uh, God, God is raising up. We can see the gifts of God being released in children now, even though they're still kids and they'll trip people up in the foyer and they'll be whatever, you know, hanging from the rafters. No, <laughs> but they're still kids. So you never take away from their childlikeness. But there's something on kids. And so this boy is my grandson. He's now 11. He was 10 when he just came into our home. No preparation. None. And Helen just had her phone. She said to him, his name's Callum. She said, Callum, what did you learn from Mission Possible? Not Mission Impossible, but Mission Possible. And this is how he responded. And I just want you to see what God can do in the heart of, uh, of, of young people, children. So Callum, can you tell me what you learned about Mission Amen. And, and, and when you look at that, you know, I've got some preachers who couldn't understand <laughs> spiritual dimensions like that little kid. And uh, sometimes, you know, we're so taken by just the natural realm that we're not letting God get into the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is able to change your particular understanding of what God wants to do in uh, things around us. Just so you know, uh, I've been married almost 50 years next year, so I celebrate that. Married, uh, and, and my wife and I uh, have a great relationship. Uh, naturally, every relationship has its tensions, but uh, one thing for sure, we can say we've been happily married. We love one another. We love one another today, and uh, that's uh, for us such a blessing. Uh, I have four children. We had four, four children in four years. So the oldest was born in September, the youngest was born in September, and there are no twins. Uh, and so they just seem to come. And, um, and so we're, but we're blessed. We have a girl and then three boys. The girl's name Rebecca, and then we have a Hamish, very Scottish, Samuel, and then James. And we didn't know till after we'd named them, we have a ham, Sam, and a jam. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, our kids are all part of church, part of life, and they have given us and blessed us with now 12 grandchildren. The oldest is 21, uh, almost 22, right down to the age of seven. So we're blessed. I just say I'm a blessed man. Amen. And I, I love what God does with our family. We in uh, New Zealand just had summertime. Uh, so it's a different season, opposite season. And so between Christmas and New Year, 24 of us, four generations, all went away on holiday together. We do it every year. And uh, my, my father-in-law, he's 95, and he drives up in his brand-new Mercedes motorhome <laughs> at 95. <laughs> there we are. And so that's what, my, that's what my kids are growing up with, you know. You never give up. 
you're going to keep going to the end. And so uh, he's, um, he, you just can't hold him down. He's always got a different view, different vision every day. Amen. What I want to do today is just take you on a journey through Scripture. And in this journey, I believe God's going to unlock something within you. Um, I have grown up. Uh, in my early conversion and when I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, I was part of the Anglican Church in New Zealand. And, but then I just really felt that that was going to destroy what God wanted to do in my life. And so there was just this little wee small apostolic church, had nine people in it. And I joined that church. Um, and that's where I came into what we would know, the apostolic community. And uh, that's where God, but I, I, I didn't come with a baggage. I didn't come with a tradition, but I understood that this is where God wanted me to be. I won't go into the history of it, but uh, out of it, if you understand and you understand what God wants to do just in the church, forget about uh, roots or community, uh, you will know that God is releasing even more profoundly today the need to release the body of Christ. And uh, it just says in Ephesians chapter 4, which is part of the DNA of the the, the roots that we came from. It just says that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. So God gave gifts. And these gifts are not there to actually, uh, for you to serve them. They're there for them to serve you. Amen? And it's almost like God wants to change our perception and understanding of the gifts he's given to the church. Then in verse 12, it says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It gives more instruction, but just to keep it brief. When you look at those gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I'm not going through my understanding of how they should minister, but they're here for you. They're here to bring you to a place of maturity. Without them, you could never, ever come to the place of what God has designed you to be and to come to the place of what God called you to do. You can't do it. Why? Because he's designed through his redemption to actually bring gifts in that are helped to transform us into the likeness of what he saw from the beginning of time. I often think if this was a mirror, when we get saved, it's almost like uh, this is a mirror. And Adam and Eve were able to see in that mirror and have an image of who they are. But then when they were, were, were deceived and they took of the, the fruit in the garden, somehow that mirror just came along. It's almost like your car window when you're driving along. Far better these days than the old days, but if a stone hit it, it would just go, you know, it would just, you couldn't see out of it. You quickly had to put your window down, put your head out, but, but, but it was just, it was like a glass. And in a way... That's like what happened at the fall. Everyone's sort of looking in the mirror, who am I? Who am I? I don't know who I am. And that's what sin does. Sin really destroys the image of who, how God's made us. And the wonderful thing is, the moment you give your heart to Christ, God begins restoring the mirror. He doesn't restore it overnight, but he starts Restoring it, you start looking through the word of God, you start looking into life, and you start looking at yourself, and you're saying, oh, that's who I am. That's who I am. Now, one day I went into the bathroom, I think I was late 40s, and I looked into the mirror. You gotta look at me, you're looking at me. And I did this. Good God. 
I'm happy. What I was really saying to myself is, I can now look in the mirror, and God has dealt with my insecurities, dealt with some of my fears. He's dealt, I wasn't perfect. There were still some areas that needed healing. But I, I was feeling far more complete than I'd ever felt. As though God had dealt with something. And the more I've gone on life, greater the clarity of who I am and what God's called me to do and what God's called me to be. That's redemption. Redemption does not leave you not knowing who you are. Redemption is about restoring you to the image that Christ had for you. And my, my belief, and I think it's scriptural, is that's why we need church. Because church, through the gifts God's given us, even though they're not even sometimes complete in themselves, but God uses those gifts. And in the scripture, it uses, my, verse 12, it uses the word for the equipping. The word equipping comes from an interesting Greek word, which is katatiso. It's an interesting word. In this setting, it's talking about God actually bringing together. It's almost like a jigsaw, all those little bits so that your life starts to have meaning. Nothing worse than coming to the end of a jigsaw and you've got a couple of bits missing and you can't find it. You never look at the, the picture around. You only look at the missing bits. But somehow God, in his grace, brings some of those missing parts, the picture. He starts to bring it together. And somehow in your spirit, you start to feel more whole than you have ever felt before. That's what this church exists for. This church exists to equip, to perfect you, to bring the best out of you. Amen? And that's what God wants to do in this church. And we all go through life where we've got uh, broken parts of our humanity uh, just simply because of sin. The image has been marred. It's been destroyed. But God wants you to look in the mirror and he wants you to say, wow, I'm actually happy. There's a, 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 a Maori guy, Polynesian, comes from our nation. And he was a lovely man. I don't know whether you're old enough to remember, but he wrote a song, quite popular, and I know it went through the UK because every time I sing it, I'm not a great singer, but I'll just sing part of it just because you'll understand it. But it, the song goes, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, Christ understood. Does anyone know it? Perhaps you don't know it. But it's a, it's a very old song. But, but he tells the story. He said, he, he, he's, he's shorter than I am. He's about, you know, whatever. But he's short. And, and he's chubby. And when he went through school, he wasn't taught personal hygiene. He tells it. And so he was pushed aside. He grew up with an inferiority, insecurity. He'd been abused. He'd, everything had gone wrong. Then he finds Jesus. And he said, you know, he said, when God looked at me, he said, six foot? Nah. <laughs> five foot five will be enough. Skin? Mm, I think I'll tan him up a bit. <laughs> Brown skin. Nose? Pointy? Nah, flatten it. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells a story, and he said, you know, he said today, and he wrote this song, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, Christ understood. Christ has made something beautiful out of my life. Amen? And really, in a way, that's where we've got to come to in our journey with Jesus. 
through the giftings and the equipping, God wants to make something beautiful out of your life. Amen? He wants to bring out the treasures that God has placed in your heart. And this is what the scripture is all about. And I pray and prophesy and speak into your church that this church will be a church where people feel secure. It's a church where people can go on a journey. It's a church where people can start to look into the mirror of the image of Christ and they can be changed. Their life can matter. Amen. The second part is, yeah, clap if you like. That's good, man. I like you over here. You're good. You're an amen. I, I could all, you could almost be black, you know. <laughs> amen, amen. You go into the, the, the church and you go into church in Ghana and those, amen, brother, preacher. You know, I quite like it. Our church in Auckland's a wee bit like that. So how, how about amen? Amen. <laughs> good. Bit of response is good. Preacher does better when you respond. I sometimes think I'm preaching better than they're responding, but anyhow. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 is another place that this word is used. Same word, same Greek word, but in a different setting. And I want to apply it. It's just talking about Jesus coming along and he calls disciples to himself and they follow him. He comes in uh, verse 20, so they immediately left their nets, fishermen, and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, right? In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, katatisos is, is uh, equipping, and here it's mending. He mended, exactly the same word, but it's been translated mending. And I often think in life, every single one of us in this room goes through moments of brokenness. Amen? You can't avoid it. It's part of life. It's when something, it's almost like if I could use a, a fishing illustration, it's like a shark gets into your net. And because it's so big, it just rips a massive big hole. I caught a shark. I was telling Dom yesterday, I, I got a three-meter shark. I was out fishing on my line. And I determined that if the shark wouldn't win, I'd win took me one hour to roll this fish in. I got it right up to the boat. I was by myself. And I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> it's not coming in the boat with me. <laughs> so I cut it loose. But I won. <laughs> Amen. Say he won. <laughs> and I, I, I praise God because some people think fishing is just a cushy man sport. But boy, you've got to be fit to be working with a with a, uh, a shark for that long. Uh, but, but, you know, sharks, sharks get in the net of our life. Um, I remember there's uh, this great Scotch preacher who, who preached in London. Um, he's dead now. His name was Campbell McAlpine. And he preached. He came to New Zealand. And I can, you know, you, you go back and you try and remember early sermons, but I remember this sermon. This sermon had the most profound impact on me as a young man. And he had a phrase that he developed. And this is the phrase, and this is, I really felt on the front line, this, this is prophetic for some people here today. He had, the, the line was, an offense, say an offense, is the seed of betrayal. An offense is the seed of betrayal. The moment you get the shark of an offense in your soul, Ultimately, you will betray the very people you love. And betrayal is a, it comes from a seed that gets into our heart. It rips the fabric or the network of your soul. 
It gets in there. It pulls it apart. We can justify it. I have been offended like you many times. I've learned to deal with it. I've learned to let God build the fabric or the network of my heart, my soul, so that offense will not destroy me and rob me of my tomorrow. I remember getting a letter one day. And as you can see, I'm quite a passionate person. So the letter definitely ignited my passion. Not in a joyful way, (laughs) but a very angry way. And I was angry. I felt like, I'm sure you'd never feel like this as a pastor, but I felt like, oh, if that guy was here, I'd punch his lights out. And and it was just like that, you know, just as well he wasn't there. You said, do you think like that? Well, that's how I feel. I'm sure that you do sometimes. You know, you're you're responsive. You're volatile. You're spirit. And it's like that went in. And I'll tell you, it was like a shark, shark just ripped part of my heart. Now, I had power to choose what I did with it. I had the power to choose. I could either let it get there, stay there and get more and more annoyed or I could say, no, no, God, that's not going to rob me of my future. Today, I choose, I choose, make a choice to bring back those threads again. And life can be cruel. Sometimes you deserve it. Sometimes you don't deserve it. But it can challenge your soul. It can challenge you as a person. Every single one of us are like that. That's why we need church. That's why we need to come to church because at the right time, God can come together and he can take the threads of your broken soul and he can just bring healing to it. Sometimes that can come through a broken relationship. Sometimes it can come through something in church. Sometimes it can come, you know, this girl came up to me and uh, I planted a church and and they had a 20-year celebration. And she came up to me and she said, 20 years ago, you offended me. And I said, are you still offended? She said, yes. And I just said to her, I said, I am so disappointed that you've lived the last 20 years thinking of me because I haven't thought of you. (laughs) (laughs) And she'd gone through 20 years with with that, her soul ripped apart. She'd never dealt with it. People in this room today, because the Holy Spirit spoke to me on the front row, you, you, you're just carrying an offense. You've been carrying it for too long. You know you can justify it? Every offense can, has got a point of justification with it. But the only person that destroys is the person who carries it. I've never seen anybody else hurt by the power of my offense. It only is there to kill me. That's why you've got to be in an environment where God lets you be healed. The reason why, you go through Scripture, right through Scripture, Cain and Abel. Cain got offended with Abel. He betrayed him. You come right up to Judas Iscariot. Why did he do what he did? He was offended with Jesus. Because Jesus started talking about laying down his life and he saw himself setting up a natural kingdom. The offense went to the point where he's taken over by Satan. Do you know, another sermon, just before I go on, and this is challenging for you and me, Dom. 
He said, how can an apostle become the devil? Judas, devil, taken over, an offense. And I'm speaking but powerfully, but come on, don't let the devil get a shark into the network of your soul and destroy it. Let the threads of forgiveness and blessing heal you. Amen? Amen. Don't go through life. Whether it's your wife or whether it's your husband or whether it's your children or whether it's a church, number of Christians who are walking from one church to another church offended. It is poisoning the kingdom of God. Don't do it. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to minister into your spirit. And so I believe that the role of church is to heal the brokenness of our humanity. And can I say something to you? Can I prophesy over you all? Right? Thus saith the Lord, we're all guilty. <laughs> no one in this room is exempt. Everyone will be challenged. What you do was an offense. No one can escape from it. In fact, Jesus warns us about it. But it's actually how we handle it so that we can position ourselves to keep our spirit whole so that we can actually be like a net that is able to get, catch broken humanity not let them skip through in Jesus' name. Amen. The third area where the scripture is used is found in Galatians chapter, or this word is used is found in Galatians chapter six. And here it's talking in a different setting again. And I like the way these settings are all different. But it's the same word. So in Ephesians 4, verse 12, it's talking about equipping, bringing you to a place of maturity, bringing the best out of you. In Matthew chapter 4, it's talking about a net, fishing net, talking about healing the broken uh, the cords fabric of that fishing net so that basically they can go out fishing again. And that for me is my soul. Man, I want to catch fish. I'm going to keep my soul whole. Amen. God wants you to keep your soul whole. Amen. God's got his hand on your life and he's wanting to use you. And I believe that God is going to enlarge your capacity. He's going to build you. He's going to establish you. You've got dreams in your heart, but I prophesy, keep your soul whole. Amen. He restores my soul. And let God restore, let God heal the brokenness of you. But in this scripture here, again, now it goes on, and it talks in a different setting. It talks about, uh, in verse uh, chapter 6, verse 1, if any man is overtaken by a trespass, he who is spiritual restore, such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And it's a different setting. So this setting now is talking about someone who trespasses. The word trespass in Scripture is like, if you understand football, uh, it's like, or I'm not sure uh, whether the girls, netball or whatever, but anyhow. So, so someone does something wrong in a sports game, it's a team game, and you're offside, the, the ref will blow the whistle. Go, offside, mate. Offside, you're out of order. You're not playing the game according to the rules. And if it's serious, he'll yellow card you out. Ten, ten, ten minutes in the bin. When you've called off a bit, you can come back in. Or red card, no, you're out. You're out. You, you know, what you've done is just not, that's not how we play this game. If it's just something that's 
not too bad. The other team will get an advantage. That's a trespass. It's when you're not playing the kingdom of God's game according to his ways. And everyone, again, everyone's guilty. We have issues in our life we're dealing with uh, in a new generation church. Um, you know, you're dealing with people who are coming. We, we have kids coming to our church who've got one mum, four kids, different father, one mum. That's where people are coming from. In fact, we have seen such a wave of salvation at times in our Auckland church that you could not put your bag on the seat, reserving it, because it would get stolen. You say, oh, that's not the sort of church I want to belong to. It's the church I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? It's the church I want to belong to. Uh, a church, you know, they're so giving their heart to Jesus, but you go out the door and they're all smoking. You say, why? <laughs> Pastor? <laughs> no, no, come on. They're not there yet. They're not there yet. Come on, they're on a journey. Salvation takes time. It's a, it's a, it's a decision, but it's also a process. So we're dealing in church. We're constantly dealing with people who do dumb things. <laughs> Has anyone here ever done anything dumb? <laughs> You know, this is, this is more than the shark getting into your net. That's, that's the enemy having a go. This is you doing things dumb. Again, my passion, just to personalize it a bit, because it takes the heat away from you. But, uh, you know, I'm passionate and uh, have a short fuse. Anyone else have a short fuse? <laughs> and so the short fuse would go off, and I'd go up, and I'd come down pretty quick. Amen. <laughs> And I just carry on with life. And my wife said many times, Bruce, I don't like your anger. I'm not angry, no. <laughs> but somehow, you know, I, I went through and I was able to excuse it because of my passion, because of the way I'd grown up. But it was my problem. And then one day she said something. She said, Bruce, I can't take any more of your anger. It's a little bit different. So I realized that I had an issue that I had to deal with. And I don't know why I told a story in the early service. Good, come and play. I had a story in the early part about this is how God speaks. I, I've always been good at having a devotional time. And this is where God really does adjust me. And I was having my devotional time. And I heard Helen say, not loud, the voice came back to me, Bruce, I can't take any more of your anger. And then God spoke, and he said, neither can I. Neither can I. That day, God restores. God restores. Doesn't judge, he restores. He understands our volatility. He understands the flaws of our nature. But He doesn't want you going through life making an excuse. He wants to deal with the issues of your heart. Do you know, when that happened, I was in the middle of transforming a movement. 
us preaching. But God highlighted an area that he said, enough is enough. And no longer do I want you to live that way anymore. Some people go through life. That's how they live. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. I don't want to be a granddad where my grandkids come around they're scared to come up to me. My wife, after that, she got a little phrase. I don't know whether you, you in England you'd remember the series. I'm sure it's an older series, but it was called One Foot in the Grave. <laughs> and every time, every time it would flare, she would just say to me, one foot in the grave. <laughs> it was just enough to deal with the issue of the heart. She never judged. She restored. She gave room. And you know, there's people in this room who just need to have an environment. That's what church is about. It should never be judgmental. It should be a place where we feel secure enough to let God heal us. The other scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Different application, two more applications and then we're done. Just says, finally, brethren, verse 11, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The word, same word. Same word for equip. Same word for mend. Same word for restore. Now says become complete. Become complete. And really what Jesus wants to put in yours and my heart is a vision to be whole. That's what he wants to put. A vision to be whole. Coming back to the mirror illustration. So that you, the older you get, you can look into that mirror and say, no, no, this is who I am. This is how God's made me. This is how God wants me to act. In, in life, there's so much comparison. Morality is governed by the secular and the media, as I said, rather than by the Word of God. And we need to teach a generation to look intently into the Word of God so that God can fashion us, mold us, so that we become everything God wants us to be. Religion doesn't do that. Religion, can I say to you, religion gives you a whole lot of rules and laws that always leave you condemned because you can never live up to them. But Jesus gives you His Word and then gives you grace. And His grace is able to change the brokenness of your humanity. Why? Because you have a vision to be whole and to be complete. And I believe God is wanting a generation to, to, to look and say, no, this is who I am. This is what God's called me to do. This is what, I had a prophecy when I was a young preacher. And this preacher, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a town boy. I'm a country boy. I'm a home boy. And this guy prophesied, he said, this is what he said. He said, you will come to a point in your life where your suitcase will never be empty. I said, you got the wrong man. That's not God. I almost live right now where my suitcase is never empty. I go from one nation to another nation. I'll go home, I'll arrive home on Wednesday and another week I'm in America. 
I'm home for one, uh, I'll be in America for a week. I come home from America. The beginning of April, I'm in Manila in India. I come home from Manila and India. I'm up and down New Zealand. And then I come home and then I'm back in the UK in May. My bag is never empty. It's what God's given. It's like seeing what God's called you to do. My wife comes with me, so don't, we're not in trouble. <laughs> Amen. But become complete. Then the scripture I want to finish with is, a, is found in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And probably it's the one I love finishing on because I think it sort of builds this environment. Say with me, number one, equip. God's given gifts to equip us. Amen. Some translations use the word prophet. But say again, equip. Number two, easy, mend. Mend. Say mend. Mend. Number three, restore. Number four, complete. Become complete. A vision. But here in Verse three, it just context, read it. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are, uh, which, sorry, which are seen were not made with the things that are visible. The word, same word, framed, framed, framed. Same word, exactly same word in the Greek, framed. The worlds were framed not by the, the skill of God's hand, but through the power of His Word. The power of His Word. God, God doesn't create by coming down and saying, wow, look how clever I am. I'll just do this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll put New Zealand. That can be the butt of the earth. <laughs> Alaska, England. No, he doesn't do it like that. He, he just spoke and came into existence. It's almost like if you read Genesis chapter 1, said God created, the Word created. And the earth was without form or void. Don't know what that looked like. But it just says, in that moment, the Spirit of God, you just go with me for a minute. The Spirit of God was hovering, was present. Was present. And the moment God spoke, it was like, wow, I can do something. And the Holy Spirit's able to move into action. He said, oh man, I'll just frame the sun, the moon, the stars. And then he said, let there be animals. Holy Spirit says, wow, giraffe, big neck, elephant, tigers. and think when you and I come into church the Holy Spirit comes in and He's hovering He's hovering He's present didn't you feel Him in the worship can't you feel Him now He's present He's present but I reckon we come into church and we stand up and walk out and the Holy Spirit says oh no what a boring Sunday that was. They didn't ask me to create anything. 
What a boring Sunday. It's almost like we grieve the Holy Spirit because we don't dare to speak. It creates. We think we're too clever. We can do it all by ourselves. We're so talented. We're so brilliant. We don't need God. And every time I think, and that's what my little grandson was saying, when he says, when you start to see with the eyes of the kingdom, no longer will your physical reality be what governs your life, but you will start to govern out of the kingdom of God because God creates by what we speak. He never creates by the skill of our hand, even though he loves our talent and he's given us talent. You speak. I have four children, granddaughters, daughter-in-laws, grandsons. I can say to you for the last, I reckon 30 years, I've prayed for my children every day. Just about. And I have prophetic prayers over them. And I speak the word of God over them. I speak the power of God's word to change their reality. I speak into my grandkids' lives. I'm not surprised they're all following Jesus. I'm not surprised. Because I've spoken, I've created the power of God's word to create, the power of God's word to take this region. It's not by your skill of your hand, your brilliance. I love the music here. You might think that's strange for an old fella, but I love it. I actually like the lights. I actually don't mind feeling the bass. I actually don't mind the music. Sometimes I can't keep up with the words. Because it sort of like it sort of goes faster than I can keep up with. So I just stand there and enjoy it. But do you know that doesn't save the people. It only gets them in church. <laughs> what saves them is us declaring that this is a house of salvation. This is a house where we speak the power of the Holy Spirit to move. This is a ha house where yokes are broken off, where chains are cut off people, where people find liberty and freedom. This is a house of transformation. This is a house where young girls will stand like pillars, secure, clothed in destiny, established for God's glory. This is a house where mums and dads will just feel I cannot miss a Sunday. Why? Because my kids need to be exposed to the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a house where marriages are going to be healed because we prophesy. We don't accept the norm. This is a house where God's going to raise up pastors and leaders. This is a house where businessmen are going to succeed. Do you know in the church in Auckland, I've been there 30-something years. 
I don't lead it anymore. But babies, I dedicate it. And now stars in, in rugby, making more money than I know what looks like. <laughs> Where I can remember students meeting their girl in life. And I officiate at their wedding who today are multi-millionaires putting $100,000 in the offering regularly. I prophesy, I declare that this is a house where people will grow, they'll be nurtured, they will come to a place of maturity. Why? Because this is a house where people can see their future. This is a house of destiny. This is a house where God can unravel the hidden. He can make parts open. I love to prophesy over children when I dedicate them. Mark Collard in our London church, he said, do you know what you prophesied over my little Ruby? You prophesied she'd be like a diamond. And every time you worked her out, she'll show you a different facet. She's now seven. And she said, that is such a powerful prophecy. Because every time there's something new we see in Ruby. It's like a new glimpse of the diamond being fashioned by God. She's got a uniqueness about her. This is a house where little children will hear the call of God and we will fashion their destiny and they will grow with hope in their heart. This is a house where older men and women will feel valued. Why? Because they understand what it is to reach their hand down to broken humanity and lift them up. This is a house of praise. It's a house where the Word of God is exalted. It's a house where people find security because they're established on the rock. This is a house where God's Word will be valued. God, I could keep prophesying. Why? Because it's not a game. This is not the game of church. This is about the glory of God. It's about God's glory. And today I prophesy to Sunny Hill Church and I declare that you will grow. People will say, I don't know everyone anymore. Does that matter? Long as their name is in heaven. Amen. In Jesus' name I declare, we frame the future. We create. We see it happen. why, but if someone here who's gone through bankruptcy, I declare that God's going to arrest that and you're going to change. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stand with me. Just Again, I don't tell people what to do, but I love response. If you feel you want to respond with me, just lift your hands. Perhaps you were the one who God spoke to me about who carries an offence. You know you've carried it. Do you know how you know you've got an offence? You, 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 you use a little three-letter English word. Do you know what the little three-letter English word is? 
it's but. But you don't understand. But you don't know what they did to me. But you don't know what happened. But you don't. But, but, but. Today, Jesus doesn't want the excuse. He wants to heal the brokenness of your humanity where the shark has sought to rob you of your divine inheritance in Him. He wants to restore your platform. Whether you've been through a broken marriage, whether you've been through a broken relationship, whether someone has scammed you of your finances, where something in life's happened, where you've had an ambition in church and somehow it was never noticed. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know. But you need to be free from it. You need to let God deal with the broken fabric of your heart. You need to let God restore your soul. You need to find a place where God heals. I know how He did it for me. I would say, ah, but I've forgiven. But I still feel hurt. So every day, I prayed for the people who hurt me. I said, right now, God, I don't understand what happened, but I bless them. I right now bless them. I will not hold them in my judgment anymore. I bless them in Jesus' name. I I determined to bless them. I knew one day I was healed because I saw them and no longer was I hurt. The offence had gone. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And right now I believe that God is wanting to change the language in this room. God is wanting to change you to a place of blessing, to a place of healing, to a place of growth. And if you would just bring it to Jesus and say, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm lifting that yoke of an offence off my life. I'm saying no longer do I give it the right to exist. And today I'm changing my language. I remove my judgment from that person. I right now declare, even though I don't like what happened, even though they might be wrong and I'm right, I don't care. In Jesus' name, I cannot live with this offence anymore. And in the name of Jesus, we're breaking the yoke, we're breaking the power and we're right now setting our heart to be mended by the Holy Spirit so that we can begin to walk with a wholeness in Jesus' Name. The devil will not put in my spirit the seed of an offence that will cause me to betray and to be lost in Jesus' Name. If that's you, I'm not asking for hands right now. Get ready. Come on, get ready. Get ready. In the Name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I break the yoke. I break it. I declare you have no right to hold people anymore. I break its yoke. I break its power. And now in the name of Jesus, I release the Holy Spirit. I ask you to come and to heal every broken thread in people's souls. In Jesus' name that their language will change from hate to love, from cursing to blessing, from judging to releasing the presence of God. In Jesus' name, let your anointing touch people. Right now, in Jesus' name, heal people physically in their body. Heal people right now in their eyes. Heal people where there's deafness, natural deafness in their ears. Heal people. Right now, in Jesus' name, 
through stomach ulcers, through stomach ulcers and through heal right now in Jesus' name. Lift restrictions off people in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen.